Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Babu's Frickin' Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us in our galaxy far, far away. My name is Mike Chiotti Ruby, and as always, I'm joined by Grand Moff Mark Valentine. Welcome back to a more civilized podcast for a more civilized age. It's good to be back, gentlemen. I am very excited. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. Obi-Wan frickin' Kenobi. It's, it's a frickin' Obi-Wan Kenobi. At last, at long last, we are back and rounding out our Jedi Council as always. Brian, Joe Yao Lee. Brian, which are you more excited for next Friday? Like, my mind is going to explode. Obi-Wan? Two episodes of Obi-Wan? Or Top Gun Maverick? <laughs> Stranger Things also drops that day. That, that does come in third on the list. Uh, I, I am seeing an early preview of Top Gun Maverick, so Friday is reserved for Obi-Wan. I'm seeing Top Gun Maverick on Tuesday. Oh, you're, you're getting in on Top Gun Tuesday? I just saw the ad for that this morning. Yes. IMAX, baby. Oh, the jealousy stabs at me. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk Star Wars with you guys. So we've been, we, we are going to consider this the first episode of season two of Babu's freaking podcast. We've been on hiatus for so long. We had one episode that kind of popped up a little, a little mid, a little mid break morsel um, after the end of Book of Boba Fett. But we've been, we've been off the trail for a while, but now we're coming back at it. It's also our official premiere episode on the Nerd Life Network. So it's a perfect time to start season two. Quite fitting. And so with that, for any of you who are joining us new or those who have joined us before but have not done so yet, quick reminder, hit that like button, subscribe. Best of all, share and tell your friends if you like what you hear. Um, this is pretty fantastic. I mean, I believe, Brian, you shared with us that we were, mo- we were named in a comment the most bingeable Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. Um, that's, again, another great way to start things off, right? Absolutely. Shout out to Christian for that. That was very positive. That's the reason we're here tonight. No, I'm just kidding. It is so happy. I'm, we just, our schedules, we all still very much love each other. Our schedules just weren't coming around. I can't wait to do this. I'm very excited to get back into it. And well, uh, we've, it's been a while, gentlemen, but uh, uh, Mike knows this individual, Paul Jacobs, who I went to college with. His son, Evan, is one of our super fans, so shout out to Evan. Yeah. Uh, they provided us with a, uh, a patron, Babu Frick, that now sits in the uh, studio. So thank you to Paul and Evan for gifting that to me. But shout out to Evan. I told, I told Paul I would shout out Evan as soon as we started to record again. So Evan, there's your shout out. Thanks for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening. That is awesome. We have a, a Padawan patron. That's amazing. That we do. We are we are back in full force, pun entirely intended, for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney Plus, which premieres next Friday, May 27th, with two episodes. Uh, so in this podcast, we're going to talk all things Obi, but first, um, and I didn't share this guy with you guys ahead of time, but I want to take two minutes to just ask an immediate off-the-cuff reaction to this. Um, there was... There's an article that dropped today in this week's issue of Vanity Fair. They did another star. They did another uh, classic Star Wars photo shoot with Annie Leibovitz, and they have information about all of the upcoming series, including some new, more tasty morsels about the Acolyte, more about Andor, more about Ahsoka. Um, but this is the one that's the real shocker, um, and I'm going to read to you directly from from the the article. 
Another new series on the horizon doesn't even have a, have a title, just a code name, Grammar Rodeo, a reference to an episode of The Simpsons in which Bart and his schoolmates steal a car and run away for a week using a phony educational event as an alibi. The show is supposed to take place during the post-Jedi Reconstruction, uh, same as The Mandalorian, but the plot remains a secret, created by director John Watts and writer Chris Ford, who did Spider-Man Homecoming, and a casting notice has been out for four children around 11 to 12 years old. So inside Lucasfilm, the show is being described as a galactic version of a classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure film from the 80s. My mind was blown. So it sounds like Stranger Things or Goonies um, or Stand By Me set in a galaxy far, far away. I was Immediate gonna... hot take from the Jedi Council. Uh, I was going to say all this is over the minute that we take a ride up Troy's bucket. This is our time. Our time. That's my honest-to-God reaction is give me the Goonies set in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, I'll, I'm in. I'm in. I'll do it. I didn't know Chris Ford was also attached. Like, I heard the John Watts stuff, and I'd forgotten about it. Like, I had to be reminded that it even exists. Now it's officially confirmed. He was taking a break. Uh, so much for that break. I mean, he's not doing Fantastic Four anymore, but he's jumping right into Lucasfilm. Good for John Watts. I think the guy's got a brilliant mind. I'm I'm excited about it. I hope it's a little bit more interesting. Even though that episode of the those that episode arc of the Clone Wars where they go searching after their kyber crystals with Ahsoka, I actually like that arc. Um, but I hope it's just a little bit more adult from that aspect. But overall, like that sounds exciting. Who knows? They may not even be Padawans. They may not be force yeah. sensitive. It could just yeah. be a bunch of kids getting into adventures, meeting new people. It could be a wild chase. It's the it's the twins, man. It's the it's Lady the... Proxima's like granddaughter running the show. There we go. Oh. We, we said we said we wanted the Miss Hannigan of the Star Wars universe back. <laughs> the acolyte, so. gentlemen. The acolyte is the one. Like I'm stoked for Ahsoka. I'm stoked for all of it. The acolyte has so much promise. Like, and it's a hundred years before the Phantom Menace. Like I am so, so in, and it's supposed to tell kind of the story of, of how the Jedi even got to a point where the Sith could infiltrate the Senate without them knowing, like, I'm so in on the acolyte. It's not even funny. Uh, that's the thing that got me fascinated about it when they described in the Vanity Fair article was that it's the high Republic. Everything is so pristine. The Jedi apparently get into so few battles that they can wear like spotless white robes because it, it's like nothing even touches them. It's kind of what establishes, you know, that 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 kind of mythic nature that's described, you know, by by you know Newt Gunray and and um, and his fellow Nemoidians at the beginning of Phantom Menace. Um, and yeah, that. But the the fact that we're going to get to see how their 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 ego and their ignorance is what ultimately allows the snake to get in. Um, that's, I find that really exciting. It's a perspective that I think that we need. Uh, and it's it's severely lacking. There's a lot of stuff in the animated where we're, we are getting more dark side and, and dark force users are being fleshed out. There's a lot more storytelling that happens in the animated world. But in live action, that's that's the side of the force that we, we really haven't had much, aside from a few monologues here or there from, from Senator Palps. It, it's going to be really intriguing and interesting to see the Acolyte play out and... Uh, dare I would say I'm going to make an argument. We need more shows of this of this nature because there are there's a lot of Star Wars fans that really do gravitate towards the dark side of the Force. It's great for them to have th that side of the storytelling 
uh, be, be told. Brian and I were having this discussion uh, right before you got in, but the small screen appears to be a, a recipe for success for Star Wars. And using the small screen, you can take a lot of risks like this. You can tell very pointed storytelling. It doesn't have to be broad, broad brushes, and you don't have to paint in trilogies when it comes to the small screen. You can have limited series. You can have one-offs. You can focus on specific characters. Roll the dice. Take those risks. And if it doesn't work, then you're you're not out. It's there, you know the big budget filmmaking isn't there. It's it's a lot more forgiving on the small screen. That if something doesn't work with the fan base, or if it just doesn't work artistically, you you haven't struck out. Then you can change directions and you can pivot towards something that's going to land. So I'm all in. Yeah, I, I also love the fact that it's High Republic, but it's it's within reach of what we know. So within 100 years, we know what's imminently coming, and there are characters in canon who are available to us. Yoda will be what, 600 years old at that point, so Yoda yeah. could very well make an appearance. Given the ages of the characters that are involved there, it is entirely possible that the, uh, the, the tragic Darth Plagueis could very well be within reach and connected with this acolyte because he will either have risen to power or be rising to power before he takes on Palp as his dark apprentice. Um, the Wookiees live to be many, many years old. We may find people who are connected with those we know. There's, there's, a, there's, a, lot, there's a lot that's there that lets us have an entirely new cast of characters but still get some Easter eggs and even get some, some tried-and-true favorites that we love. All in. Outstanding. Well, speaking of all in, let's let's go all in on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, this will be our, our preview episode for the new limited series on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we had a great preview episode where we talked about Boba Fett, talked a bit about his origins, our feelings on the character, and what we expected for that show before the Book of, uh, Book of Boba Fett. And so our goal today is... Um, do a little bit of a primer and a little bit of a chat about this character who we've obviously talked about through the course of, you know, our year on the air uh, with this podcast, but we've never done a deep dive into Obi-Wan. So um, let's take that, that little bit of a deep dive into the character and then talk about what we can expect from the show. So I, I don't know that we've ever talked about this guys. Where, where does Obi-Wan Kenobi sit for you guys as a character? Like where, you know, and that your feelings towards Obi may have changed over the past 40 years as you know obviously there have been different iterations of him different actors portraying him different angles that we've seen based on the narrative so um mark you look eager to jump in tell us what 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 is your relationship with obi-wan and and how are your feelings on him so i'm for for people that are our age mike i think that you and i are probably very close in our feelings on obi-wan in that he we we were introduced to him via alec guinness he was the elder statesman, and dare I would say, he was like the he was the father of the force to both people like you and I, because at a very young age, he was the the only force user that we had for for a while. I mean, and for for a great while. So to see him expand upon the force and the the to build the mythos, and as he served as a tutor to Luke Skywalker, so too did he serve as the, a very s similar tutor to us. There was so much that early on, it was, you know, much like we just said, it was just monologues here and there. But 
the discussion of the Clone Wars, all of that stuff was legends to us. And all we had for the the longest time was the self-sacrifice that Obi-Wan Kenobi made to help that band of misfits get off of the second Death Star. We got to see the third act. First Death his, Star. Yeah. Uh, we got to see him get off of, uh, or we saw him sort of make that self-sacrifice to help the rebellion move forward. And, you know, I, I dare I say we were all in the very same spot when he did make that sacrifice. Like Luke Skywalker, we all audibly yelled at our televisions the first time that that happened. But um, growing up, he, he is. He's like the father of the Star Wars universe to guys like us. And then seeing him as a young man in the prequels, uh, seeing that whole story play out, it was so satisfying for us to see him in his youth. It was like uh, a familiar face going back and seeing all of his exploits as a young man, revisiting someone who we thought that we knew. And then uh, I know that we're going to get into this later on. Then seeing his humanity during the Clone Wars was even more satisfying to maybe realize that the idealist that we knew from the original trilogy had he had aged so much, both physically but also spiritually and, and mentally, that the man that we see at that point is very different from the character that we see play throughout uh, the Clone Wars series. So he's one of the best developed Jedi that we have. And for good reason, he's a great character to, to have a limited series on. I'm very excited to see this period of his life. And I know that we're going to get into this a little bit later, but this is, a, this is a black hole of we don't know what happens in these years. The last that we left him was Revenge of the Sith, and then he picks up for us again in, in the animated Rebels, and there's no story as to what happens in between. So it's going to be great to pick up with this piece of his life to see what he was doing in between that, that duel with Darth Maul and him leaving uh, Anakin Skywalker on the flats of Mustafar. A lot of Sudoku, I'm sure. <laughs> Brian, tell tell us about your relationship with the character of Obi Wan Kenobi. What do, what 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 have, what have your feelings always been? Yeah, there's not a massive age difference between the two of you guys and me, but there's enough. It it was the right age difference where I was not introduced to the character of Obi-Wan, but I fell in love with the character of Obi-Wan because of Ewan McGregor. Yeah. Um, with the timing of, of episode one and I, he's just cool, calm, collected all the time. He's the best part of the prequels. And as the prequels age, they get better and better for a lot of people. And still he's the best part of the prequels for just about everybody. I would call him the second best fleshed out character in the star Wars universe, only behind Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. I don't know. Beyond that, who's had a better fleshed out character, and that'd be a fun conversation for another time. Oh, I like that. Um, what is interesting to me is as we get into it, everybody's so excited to see him again that I think people are forgetting that we're also going to see Darth Vader at the height of his powers. We're going to see the live action introduction of Inquisitors. Like the amount of time that has actually we've we've hashed it out in in animation. We're all fans of that. But for people to now get through their love of this character, how great this galaxy and this storytelling can be, man, I'm just so excited for all of it. Yeah, I, I it's interesting. I'm, I I find myself somewhere between the two of you guys, you know, because I, I agree, you know, Mark. Obviously, the introduction that 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 I had with Obi Wan was always that he's 
you know, he's old Ben. He's the he's these kind of the, the gateway in, and it's you know, Obi Wan has taught you well, and he's seen as this this sage figure. Um, but you know, I, I I agree with Brian. I mean, Obi Wan is the best part of the prequel trilogy um, by leaps and bounds. Like every time Ewan McGregor is on screen is exciting and interesting. And the choices that he's making both fresh as the character, as well as reflecting what Alec Guinness had done before, as he's kind of retroactively building the character. Um, You know, it's interesting how he, he has to take like his future self and figure out ways to inform that performance by taking information from the future performance. It's, it's really cool. And without it being an impression, like he makes it his own. It's not him doing an Alec Guinness impression, even though he very clearly is embodying and sounding like Alec Guinness, but it doesn't feel like he's, he's doing a caricature of him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I almost love prequel Obi-Wan more than the character in the main trilogy just be, he's just so interesting and so exciting. Oh, I um, I certainly do. Yeah, I much prefer prequel Obi Wan to to main trilogy Obi Wan. Well, you're yeah. getting well, we so much. Yeah, you're getting so, get so much, much more, more from right. him. Right. I mean, there, there there's not much left to his life by the time that you're you're meeting old Ben in A New Hope, and you're getting so little from him in Empire, and even and even less in Return of the Jedi. In the prequels, you're getting the absolute best of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, that story is about the relationship that developed between those two men. And when they leave each other, that, that last moment, like, it just rips your heart out of your chest when he says, you were my brother. Like, that, to this very day, is, is probably one of the most emotional scenes and sequences of the entire franchise. Well, that's the other the other brilliance of, of Ewan McGregor is that I don't think that there is anyone in the prequel trilogy who acts that dialogue better than him. You know, George Lucas is a brilliant storyteller, but he's not a very good he's not a very good dialogue writer. And yet, somehow, I truly Ewan McGregor. Love you. <laughs> yeah, but somehow Ewan McGregor takes these incredibly stilted lines. And gives each of them meaning and makes them iconic and even memeable. Um, you know, I mean, that, it could be super melodramatic. You know, I loved you. You were my brother. That whole bit right there, like, it. unfortunately, she's a remarkable Oscar-winning actress. But, like, there were so many of those similar types of lines that Natalie Portman performed well. But she couldn't pull them off the same way as where McGregor just makes them feel so nuanced. Yeah, yeah, I can't argue with that at all. I think he's the the man's brilliant. Star Wars got so lucky that everybody has aged just about perfectly to be able to pull all this off, and I can't wait to see it. So let's let's talk about Obi in the original trilogy. I mean, he plays a very specific role, being the sage and the mentor, and that's really what Alec Guinness was. You know, he he brought credibility to Star Wars because he was he was the established theatrical actor, film actor of you know any number of, of truly classic films, you know, obviously Lawrence of Arabia, like, uh, you know, bridge on the river choir. Like he's, he's the guy. Um, but there's, you know, even in the, the moments that are there, and I feel like it's YouTube that's done him favors with this, the subtext of how flawed Obi-Wan is and his failures and the trauma, like, it, it, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but certainly for our listeners, I would recommend going on YouTube and just search Obi-Wan Kenobi PTSD 
there are people who have taken his monologue when he's explaining the dark times to Luke and edited that using him as voiceover to show what happens with order 66 and the fall of the Jedi and his, and you know, his relationship with Anakin before his fall, it's, it's crushing. And the way that it gets edited together, you can just see so much behind Alec Guinness's eyes. You know, it's hard to remember like just how much his performance in so little screen time just set off our imaginations. Like all he had to say was, I fought with your father in the clone wars. And for 30 years, we were, you know, almost 30 years. We were like, what the heck are the clone wars? Yeah. We were so fascinated because of the, what he imbued there. So I, I mean, there's, it's it's easy to say he's kind of the old guy who makes the sacrifice, but there's so much in 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 that first performance that just establishes so much. I mean, I I, I don't know. I've said quite a lot there. But, you know, what what do you guys think? It's a great cut. I love. Well, he, he, but here's here's the thing, and this is where the devotees and the students of this franchise come to pay off. Whether it's John Favreau or Dave Filoni. These directors were kids like us, and they hang on those words. They hang on every single word of dialogue because it was so, it was so important to them in their lives, and there's so much gravity to this film that when they go and create their own world and when they world build on their own, they use this dialogue, they use these performances, as rich as they are, as the basis for that next chapter and so clearly that monologue of Obi-Wan's has been so impactful on the writers like Dave Filoni to take that material and to incorporate it into their storytelling in such a way that, and we've said this now at least a half a dozen times, Star Wars is doing such a wonderful job of creating content that is supporting other works. So that we see this in The Mandalorian right now, how they are building out, and we even said The Bad Batch, how The Bad Batch is building out certain aspects of the prequels that we've never had a chance or an opportunity to see. So to, to that end, you know, what, what do you guys think The Clone Wars and what do you think the original trilogy did for the Obi-Wan character, right? So we, we, have, we have the broken old hermit, who makes the ultimate sacrifice and is seen as the, you know, the, the, the wise teacher, you know, the, 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 the old gunslinger who makes the, 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 the great sacrifice. What, what do you guys think the prequel trilogy and the clone Wars series both specifically did in terms of shaping the character of Obi-Wan? Go ahead, Brian. It made, it made him relatable. Um, like, like the, the Obi-Wan that we know from the original trilogy, he's, he's for lack of a better term, the perfect Jedi. In this one, they added a lot more nuance, especially with the character of Satine Kreese. Like mm-hmm. all, and that's that's in my opinion the best Obi Wan Kenobi storytelling that that we've gotten is is he would have left the Jedi Order for her. all she had to do was ask him. Um, it added it added flaws. It added a human element, made him far more relatable than he'd ever been. Yeah, um, his frustration that he constantly got with Anakin. The only reason he was training Anakin in the first place is because it was basically the dying wish of his master who he dearly loved. It, it was almost forced upon him. He never ever saw himself as Anakin's father figure quite like Qui-Gon did or, or anything like that. You were my brother, Anakin yeah. for a reason. There's a lot in there that 
he was far from perfect and it made him that much more perfect. Does that make sense? And no, unless we forget that when he takes on Anakin as a Padawan, he himself was not prepared. I mean, right. my far and away, one of my favorite aspects and, and it's not going to land high on a lot of other people's lists, but one of my favorite aspects of Obi-Wan Kenobi is Phantom Menace. Obi-Wan headstrong, impetuous, uh, dare, dare I say, even a little angry, uh, and were short. yeah, I mean, he, he was far from the perfect Jedi at this point, And now here he is with this charge with this kid that he doesn't know how to be Qui-Gon Jinn. He doesn't know how to be a master to this young Padawan. So the best thing that he has, all he has is brotherhood and that like he himself, you could, you can argue he's a teenager himself at that point. He's not ready to like raise a kid. He's not ready to like uh, have this force user tag along and and develop him. So he did the best that he could with what he had at, in that moment in time. And so the two of them develop a, a brother relationship. And it clearly wasn't what Anakin would later need in his life. But that whole that whole arc is just so it's so wonderful. Like you said, it's it's such a great character development. It makes him relatable. It makes Obi-Wan Kenobi relatable that he's not this idealist living in the desert, self-sacrificing. He's doing the best that he can with what he's got to just make his way uh, in, the, in the Jedi world, and he's not well, prepared. Well, I mean, it's interesting, you know, in many ways, you can look at him as being the ideal Jedi Knight through through the course of the original trilogy. He is... Sticking by training his Padawan, he's trying to follow the rules. He is he is the Templar Knight. Yeah. But by the same token, in trying to be that Templar Knight, you know, you, you said it a minute ago, Brian. Like in some ways, he's the perfect Jedi, but it's also he's he's kind of perfectly flawed. He's almost like the perfect example of everything wrong with the Jedi because he's so dogmatic with it that you know, and that's what what Qui Gon saw was that there were there were cracks in the Jedi code, you know, and you almost wonder if, if Obi-Wan could have seen a little bit outside of the box, you know, it, 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 maybe things would have turned out a bit different. It's, it's a really interesting dichotomy with him. I mean, even more so when you consider the way that he kind of behaves when he goes in, when he, anytime he goes into a bar, you know, or when he, when he's playing detective, like Obi-Wan is both incredibly disciplined as well as a cowboy, he's a, he's a, he's a he, he is a charming rogue in the style of Han Solo. Well, think about the fact that he knows about Anakin and Padme. He knows, and he just chooses not to know. Like I'd rather value friendship over everything that we're talking about here. <laughs> it's it's very fascinating. Like, and he he kind of plays dumb. Like, there's always that Anakin's the father, isn't he? I mean, it's you're playing as dumb as you possibly can at this point, but he knows about Anakin and Padme, and he, he kind of lets it happen, which, I mean, is kind of a problem. He does. It's like well, cool, cool RA vibes. It's like, I know there's alcohol in here, but I'm not going to bust you guys. I'm just going to go back to my room and pretend it didn't happen. Let me see. Yeah. Well, there's there's cut di- there's apparently cut dialogue from, from originally within that scene where he admitted knowing. Um, yeah, and it's... it's and, I mean, the Clone Wars definitely kind of pushed that narrative a little bit more. Like, there's the one where Anakin's like in season seven where he's like behind the door and talking to Padme. And I hope, I hope you told Padme, I said, hi, like, like they definitely <laughs> that narrative even further in, in the clone wars. 
Yeah, so it's it's interesting. On the one hand, they they try and play him off as being, you know, the the paragon of virtue, and then at other times he's he's just really not great at it, and then and then he has to go and live for twenty years in exile with the the weight of his failure and you know the 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 scar of knowing that you know for all he for all he knows, I mean, this will be interesting to see if they explain this in the Obi Wan series, you know, that's coming up. He may very well think that Anakin's dead. I think you know, he's. I think he left him. He left him for dead on on. You know, he left him for dead on the shores of the lava. He may very well think that he actually did kill Anakin. He just couldn't deliver the final blow. I think that you're onto something because I I truly believe that one of one of the many things that's going to happen in this limited series is he's going to come to learn that Darth Vader is in fact Anakin Skywalker. He because, sees him on, on like CNN. No, but I I think that that's going to happen. That the two of them are going to meet, and and I think that the, one of the first things that Darth Vader will do is is divulge to him, you know. And, and I I don't think he's going to recognize him at first. And well, I think, you don't think he knows? No, I don't. I don't no, think he knows. A, I don't think he knows. No, at I all. think he thinks he's dead. I think he I think he literally thinks I I left there's him just with a new. You know, there's with, just a new guy in the galaxy wearing all black. But to, I left. I left the high ground. I left the high ground, yeah. and I, I I didn't have it in me to you know to strike the final blow. And lo and behold, there he is. And it gives yeah. even more meaning to you know it, when when he says yes. to, to Luke in Return of the Jedi, he's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. How would you know that if you hadn't had a run in with him? Like what? Yes. How would, if you've been hiding on Tatooine all of this time, and there hasn't been like people are kind of upset about you know the idea of him and Vader maybe having a meeting in between. There has to there has to have been something. There has to there has to have been something meaningful where he really truly realizes the 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 result of his failure and how much worse it's going to be. I mean, that's the other thing too. Can you imagine going all that time thinking Luke is going to be the chosen one? He's going to come through. He's going to make everything better, and then going, oh horse crap, oh bantha voodoo. <laughs> we done stepped in it. He's got to go kill his own father. What have I done? And what also, have I done? And also to point out the obvious, people that are upset about Vader and Obi-Wan meeting, like all Vader says is, I haven't felt this presence since. Like there's no finish to that sentence. So everybody just needs to get over it and root for this to happen because it's absolutely and when when last we met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Correct. 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 And there's a lot of gray area in that statement. It does not mean that that last meeting has to be on Mustafar. There, there can no. be an, there can be another meeting in between those those you're, duels. You're, and your powers were... are weak, old man. Like that says that his power has been tested again. You know, when we see Obi Wan now, ten, only ten years has gone by from him being at you know elite fighter status. Dude's still going to be able to bring it. I mean, what, what he's, he's he's doing like a keto throws in in the in the trailer there. Like he's. He's got it going on. He is still a fully functional Jedi Master within this series. I think this series is going to give, again, a lot more weight to that dialogue that Alec Guinness provides in his house when he's talking to Luke Skywalker for the first time from a certain point of view about his father. You know, it's basically saying, you know, Vader seduced and killed your father. Again, he doesn't know that Anakin is Darth Vader yet. He doesn't know. He went right into exile. 
So there's going to be something that happens. That never dawned on me. There's going never dawned on me. There's going to be something that happens that now convinces him in his mind that Anakin Skywalker, the man that he knew, is dead for all intents and purposes, is dead and gone, killed by the Sith Lord Darth Vader, and that the man that he knew, the brother that he knew, his brother in arms, is no longer there. He's more machine now than man. Your father is dead. Because, you know, Luke gets very ornery with him when he says, why didn't you tell me? And he basically says to Luke, like, what I told you is true from a certain point of view. This is going to flesh that out. We're going to get to see where that that worldview, where that viewpoint is coming from. And it's going to be because these two men will meet once again in this limited series that's going to basically set up everything that we know in A New Hope. And that, to me, is very exciting. Well, and imagine the atrocities that he may actually see within the scope of this limited series. So again, it's going to flesh out further. He has his lines in, in in A New Hope where he talks about, you know, Darth Vader, a former pupil of mine, hunted down the Jedi. You know, and yeah. so here, like, we're actually, he's he's going to witness, A, he's going to meet Inquisitors, he's going to see Inquisitors in action, and he's probably going to see Vader with Inquisitors in action, and so... At Think about how heinous that is. You know, he's he's you know he's gone from being my my brother and a Jedi to he did the unthinkable. I saw him on a I, you know, I saw him on a, a a security hologram killing younglings. To now, he's got an army of badass brothers and sisters in the dark side who are going out there and hunting us down, like literally hunting us down. And it's going to be Vader at the height of his powers. Like, I'm almost, I'm probably honestly more excited to see, like, that. Like, I don't, you don't cast Hayden Christensen without potentially doing some sort of flashbacks or something. I do think we see Anakin, Anakin at some point somehow throughout this show. But seeing Vader at the height of his powers, like Rogue One on steroids, like, give it to me and inject it into my veins. Well, and, and the torture of him in the suit as well. So the other thing that, that, that uh, Hayden Christensen says in that Vanity Fair article is he talks about, you know, I always played Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader at a certain point in time, right? And now he's like, now I never, he's like, I never really got to play Darth Vader. He's like, now I get to play yeah. that, that tortured soul who is imprisoned behind the mask you know, what, what is the, you know, who we've only ever gotten a peek of when Ahsoka cracks the mask in Rebels, like, we're going to get to see what that living his, his every single day in brutal pain is like, but the, the, the mental and physical anguish of, of what he's doing. Um, and same for Obi. So the, I, I pulled this out of the article as well, because I thought it was interesting and I, I want to get your takes on it. Um, you know, Ewan McGregor says when, you know, when he was asked about coming back and doing the show, he says, I just said, I think that it should be a story about a broken man, a man who's lost his faith. Obi-Wan has always had a funny line to say, or always seems to be calm and is a good warrior or soldier or whatever. But to see that man come apart and see what gets him back together again, that's where we started. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. That's so good. I haven't read the article all the way through yet. That's that's great, man. I'm so excited. So, I mean, that's another really interesting idea is to think of. And again, talking about material, making other material better. How great if we see ornery old Ben 
you know, and, you know, what are the last Jedi haters going to say then? <laughs> That's Luke. Yeah. That's Luke. Yep. So who uh, let's, let's talk about some of the other folks that we know that we're getting in this and some of the exciting aspects around them. So um, we're going to get uncle Owen and brew. We're going to get Owen and brew. And we've seen little Luke Skywalker Luke? flying his invisible land speeder sitting Luke. on top of the, the moisture farm. What do you guys, what do you guys think we're going to get from, from Owen and brew besides a lot of really great uncle Owen memes? I don't. I, I. I. If I'm being completely and totally honest, aside from just the mention, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru don't don't excite me as much as I think they do. Maybe other people in this world. I mean, listen, they throw a hell of a barbecue, but um, oh, too soon. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know. Like they are. Uh, let's just say they're the they're the wet blanket of the Star Wars universe. They were the ones, they were, they were the ones that were always trying to steer Luke Skywalker away from his dreams of pursuing the wars in the stars. So I don't, I don't really have a lot of fondness for, for Owen. Um, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool Easter egg. It's going to be neat to see why they get to that point because it, it looks like, I mean, great line from the trailer. I've already Seen way too much from the trailers that I, I don't. But the, the line, I'm sorry if I'm delivering it wrong. I only heard it the one time. Uh, just like you trained, what is it? Like, just like you trained his father or something of that ilk? But the boy must be trained. Yeah. Oh, like you trained his father. So the, that, that line is really good. Uh, I mean, as far as the, the performances go, I mean, there, there's other standout characters that, uh, that get me out of bed. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru don't really move the needle for me. I'm sorry if I'm the wet blanket right now. If Obi-Wan doesn't know that Anakin is Vader and Vader is Anakin, like, Owen definitely doesn't know. So, like, where's that going to come in? Like, are we just assuming, like, you trained his father because his father died? Like, does somehow Owen find out that Vader is Anakin? I doubt it. Like, Well, Owen may know that... Anakin went on a kill crazy rampage in the in the Jedi Temple, you know, when when yeah. Obi-Wan shows up and is like, here's the boy, his father's dead, he betrayed us all. I don't think anyone in the galaxy knows that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Nobody. Because he doesn't answer to Anakin Skywalker ever. And once he gets into that suit, which again is a really short time after his turn in the massacre. I don't think there's a single solitary soul in the world right now in the galaxy, save for Emperor Palps, that knows that that's Anakin. But Yoda and Obi Wan, Yoda and Obi Wan do watch him like in a hologram on his knee, and he does get referred to as Vader. I don't think they, yeah, but I don't think there was enough. Well, but 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 Yoda, but Yoda says that. So so Obi Wan may not necessarily, but but no, Yoda says it. Yoda 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 talks about. he and the Emperor. The Emperor says, you know, Darth Vader will become more powerful than either of us. Misguided your 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 faith in him, maybe. But I don't think they had those bigger conversations. Like I don't I don't think they had a chance to tell any of this to Bail Organa. They were in crisis mode. It was we have to go and duel, you have to stop him, I have to stop him. There there wasn't a summit to kind of say, oh, and by the way. Anakin Skywalker is now Darth Vader. I don't think there was enough time to really discuss all that. I think the name 
Anakin Skywalker to the galaxy died on Mustafar. I don't think anyone knows that Darth Vader is really Anakin Skywalker. I think that this series is going to flesh a lot of that out for all of these interested parties. And it's one of the most compelling pieces of this series for, I think, the character of Darth Vader. That hit, that the name Anakin is going to be once again whispered in corners of the universe, and I think it's going to add a lot of drama. Interesting. I'm not 100% there, but I am not ruling it out either. I like know that name, mean, that, that name means nothing to him anymore. It doesn't. That is true. Um, we're going to get at least three Inquisitors out of this. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, Reva, I believe is how it's pronounced. She's going to be the main yep. Inquisitor. Um, and I, Mike, you have the cast list in front of you. I apologize. I do not know the actress's name playing Reva, uh, but she seems all in. We're going. Yeah, to- she's from the Queen's Gambit. She's very good. Yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get helicopter bladed lightsabers. Like I think. Also, stop complaining about what the Grand Grand Inquisitor looks like. Like we've had this discussion many times. Awesome. Rupert Friend seems to be all in on this role. I can't. Excuse me. I can't wait for it. The Fifth Brother looks looks fun. I'm so in on live action Inquisitors. It's awesome. Yeah, Moses Ingram is the actress's name. Thank you. She's 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 excellent. Rupert Friend. I think can do no wrong. I think he's going to be absolutely spectacular. Um, I think the, the fifth brother is a fun extra. He's just super cool looking. Um, he's played by that dude from uh, fast and the furious movies. Yep. He will likely be fast and furious. That's probably accurate. Um, I have not heard any more about this, but you know, two other pretty significant name actors in the show are uh, O'Shea Jackson jr. And uh, Camille and Johnny. So I'm super. I I had I had really thought maybe Camille and Johnny would be playing Hondo. I I thought he was going to come in and play and be Hondo. But uh, but word is he he I I think I well not word I saw him in the trailer. He's not wearing makeup. He's got so. a cool little he's got a cool little droid though, a new kind of droid that we haven't seen before in the trailer. But yeah, he's he's I was bummed like the Hondo thing. I was hoping for it. So I, I don't know what they're they're going to be all about, but that's that's that'll be a neat thing to see. Um, the other thing that's super Kumail super exciting. Does, oh, sorry, Kumail, I, sorry, Kumail does say he wields a lightsaber at some point in this show. He said that in an interview months and months ago. Um, so I know what color I know what color it is, Brian Lee. How do you know? Always blue. Always blue. Always blue. Luke <laughs> <laughs> sucks. He does suck. <laughs> that was a Silicon Valley reference. That was that was outstanding. That was outstanding. That's that's because he's he needs he needs a, a starship with doors that go like this, not like this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show so much. Um, speaking of shows, I love. Um, I am also really really excited. Not just that John Williams is coming back to do the theme for the Obi Wan series. Um, but Natalie Holt, who did the score for the Loki show, is doing the majority of the music. I think Loki's soundtrack. I, well, we've, we've we've talked about on on other podcasts that we've we've done together that so much about the production design and the music and the sound and everything that just went into the creation of Loki is just so wonderful. The music in Loki was so spot on. I am very 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 excited for all of the craft that is going to go in behind this. Um, 
what are we going to hear, guys? What do you think this is going to sound like? What's the soundscape going to be? If it's anything like Loki, it's going to be wonderful. I mean, because the 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 themes and the music certainly did heighten that that series. Um, and dare I would say that after uh, Multiverse of Madness, Loki is now my number one Marvel series. Uh, but I'm very excited to see the world building that happens through the orchestration here. Uh, and again, the work, the prior work that we have, color me excited. I'm very excited. Multiverse said Madness had nothing to do with bringing Loki up. It had everything to do with bringing another certain show down. Correct. Correct. Right. But I was like, I was like, I was no, trying no, to no. do the math, and then I'm like, oh, okay. No, Never. that's it. Yeah, that's a discussion for another podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a debate for another for another nerdy cast. I just get um, mad. I might discuss it at this point. So. I think last last thing to cover off because I think really from here all, all we could just keep doing is prognosticating you know to infinity. So you know let's 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 wrap this thing up before we then come back next week to talk about episodes one and two. Um, what do you guys want or expect from this show? Like how how can it possibly live up to expectations? I mean even more than the Mandalorian. Like this is the bar. The bar, gentlemen, is just so flipping high when you consider everything that's in this and who these characters are like what's it going to take for us to be satisfied forgetting the toxic fanboys and fangirls out there who we we shun from our toxic free podcast but like for us to be satisfied what what do we need from this i I just world build for me because we know it's a limited series so there there's not you're you're never going to be satiated in a six episode arc you're just you're not there's not enough star wars in that six episode arc that's going to ever leave the three of us or anyone fully satisfied with what we get and he's not going to play this character in perpetuity and it's not just going to happen so what we need from this series is to world build to build out this period of the timeline so that we can spin off and we've said this in, again, other shows. We've always suspected that Rebels is going to be fleshed out in a live-action format. So what I think a good Obi-Wan series does is I think that it plants the seeds for other, uh, for other storytelling to take place with the Inquisitors and with the, the start of the Rebels series. It's going to allow this period of the timeline to live and breathe there's not enough storytelling in time to ever get it done. I'm going to throw this out there. This is lofty, but I also think I would be highly satisfied if we got a Darth Vader series, limited or not, coming out of this as well. How about you, Brian? What? How, how are you going to walk away from this feeling satisfied? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like I'm going to be satisfied simply having seen it. Um, I think there's actually going to be something earth shattering in the second episode because I think the plan all along was to show the first two episodes at star Wars celebration. And I think there's a reason that they changed the release strategy from one on Wednesday, the 25th to two on Friday, the 27th, because I think they don't want whatever's going to happen to get out from star Wars celebration to the rest of the world without people knowing. So I feel like there's going to be something earth shattering, not baby Yoda level, but but something like that that's going to be fairly big. All I want from this series is to have reason to have existed. 
I, I want it to be so intricate with story that there's a reason we have it. I don't want to have this series just because people wanted it. I want it to make sense with the story. That's all that I ask for this show. And I really, really, really want to see Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes. I would agree with all those things. I think for me, the, the thing that I that I somehow want in this is stakes. So this always goes back to what yep. what what Mark and I yes. have debated for forever, and the three of us have talked about it on this podcast with with Solo. We know Obi Wan's going to live. We know we know exactly. We you know it's it's uh, and you know, it's, we we know when he lives. We know when he dies. We know what's going to happen. We know the same thing with Vader. We know the same thing with with Luke may be in danger for a period of time in the show, but we know what where he he's obviously going to end up. So how do they create? physical and emotional stakes in this show to make it worthwhile. Cause that's the biggest challenge that I've been having with a number of Marvel and star Wars properties recently is I just don't feel like there's anything that like feels dangerous or puts me on the edge of my seat. Yeah. You know, it's very Loki, fair, dude. Very fair. Loki, Loki had stakes. WandaVision had stakes. Sorry to, to, to go sideways a little bit. Mandalorian has had stakes. I did not feel the stakes in book of Boba Fett. Yeah. You know, we talked about that before. And we even um, he might die, and we still didn't feel the stakes. Yeah. So, like, I I want to be on the edge of my seat with this thing, constantly wondering what's next, even if even if I know that he and Vader are going to meet up, and even if I know that ultimately both of them are going to live to die another day. Like, how can they get us invested in these characters, and how can they get us invested in what's going on there? That's that's If, if they can do that then all of the rest of this is going to be awesome. I just know it. I so, agree. An excellent preview. Guys, great to get back in the cockpit. Chewy, we're home. Um, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week on Sunday the 29th to talk about the first two episodes, and we will be podcasting weekly to talk about each episode in this limited series. Um, so stay tuned. Share it all again. And until next time... May the force be with you. Always.